As was already mentioned, we have those that are visiting. We invite you back at any opportunity that you have to be with us. If you're visiting and expected to hear Josh, I apologize. Uh, Lord's willing, if you come back next week, you can hear him. <clears throat> My intentions this morning is to uh, present a lesson from God's Word, to only speak the truth. And if I say or do anything that you feel is not, I would appreciate it if you would be my friend and come and talk to me about it. So if indeed it is wrong, it can be corrected. When Josh asked if I would present a lesson, I got to thinking about the last time that I'd done one. And uh, it was about a year and a half ago. There was a little congregation just south of Hansville uh, called Garden City, Alabama. They... uh, they didn't have a preacher, full-time or part-time, and one of the brethren that we went with scheduled a yearly calendar on all the men to go and preach. So it became my Sunday to speak, and I called a friend, and I was like, Micah, what can I expect when I go there? So he's like, well, he said, uh, there's going to be about ten people plus whatever you take. He said... Uh, You need a short lesson because they're all elderly. And he said, brother so-and-so is going to lead the opening prayer. Brother so-and-so will lead the closing prayer. This is how the Lord's Supper is going to go. And you will lead singing and do the lesson. I was like, okay. So if you are never spoke before and had to do the lesson and lead singing, uh, it's a challenge. But I'm very thankful that we are here and there's so many brethren that is capable of doing things and so much encouragement to my family and myself. <clears throat> With that being said, the relationships that we experience as Christians can be very thought-provoking. We've all known men and women who held the faith for many years. They suffered numerous trials, sorrows, even to their death. We see that in Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. It was wrote to the church of Pergamum. These are the words to him who has a sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. We've also known of Christians who have suddenly denied the faith. These generally have no shame in what they've done. They just rebel and leave. But the harder thing to determine, as we see from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, is when a Christian in their spiritual lives begin to drift towards destruction. Hebrews chapter 2 says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since this message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. (laughs) 
you see the picture. This was in January 2013. There was two brothers that were fishing for bass and perch. It was a weekly trip that they'd done on the Bering Fork River Dam. The current began to push their boat towards the drop-off. When they tried to crank the motor to drive off, the motor wouldn't crank. So one of the brothers, as the article was said, he went to the back of the boat and he slammed the motor down into the water, which caught the edge of the dam and held the boat there. They stayed in this position for close to three hours while the rescue crews were en route and they prepared for the rescue. So one of the brothers, the news crew, had interviewed him. He said, uh, she asked, well, what were you thinking? What were you doing? He's like, well, I told my brother to come to the back of the boat. We locked arms and we prayed. He said, what will you do next week? And he's like, well, next week we'll be fishing again. He's like... The boat didn't make it. The boat went off after they were rescued. But they were going to buy a new boat, and uh, they were going fishing again. So this morning's lesson, we're going to talk about drifting. The first thing we should know about drifting is the definition. The definition of drifting that I used was to move passively, aimlessly, or involuntarily into a certain situation or condition. Drifting requires no effort. We live around a lot of water. We lived, uh, when we lived in Alabama, we were close to Smith Lake also. We had multiple rivers. and uh, So as a Christian, we look and we think about things around us that we can relate to. And water and drifting is just one of those things that is just there. <clears throat> if we're ever in a boat and you stop rowing or you turn your motor off, the current or the wind will just push you whichever direction that the wind is blowing or the water is rolling. You basically don't have to do anything. And I think that's part of the reason that the Hebrew writer says we must give more earnest heed. We also know from the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, that that group of men were given different amounts of money, and to the one, he did nothing with it. He just sat on the money because he said that he knew that the Lord was a hard man. In the end, he was told that he could have went and put the money in the bank, and it could have drawn interest. Drifting is an unconscious process. If you've ever been on the boat, in the lake, in the river, or the ocean, you know that it's possible to drift without even being aware of it. The uh, last time we were in Gulf Shores at the ocean, we took a small offshore fishing trip, and uh, it was an interesting trip. There was uh, some pretty high seas. We were in a little small boat. When we finally got out to where the red snapper were, the uh, the boat was just tossing and turning. We, the captain would tell us to drop our bait, and by the time our bait hit to the spot where the fish was at, we would be a mile off of where 
where it started. <clears throat> we didn't catch a lot of fish. Uh, on the trip back, the captain told Sawyer that, uh, he said, if you make it through this trip without getting seasick, he's like, you'll never have another problem in your life. So it's just an unconscious process. You were focused on dropping your line. By the time it was there, you were drifted way off of where the fish were at. We know that many Christians have slowly drifted away from God. Many churches, if they're not continually watching what they're practicing, will drift into false doctrine. In Acts chapter 8, we see Simon the sorcerer. In verse 13, we see that he was baptized. But then as the story goes on, we see that he tries to buy... what the apostles have with money. Acts chapter 8. In verse 18 says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. He said, Give me also this ability so that everyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Then Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought that you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right right before God. And he tells him to repent. Simon started out on the right path, but as it goes on, he drifted into into sin. Next thing is we never drift upstream or against the current. As we mentioned before, being a Christian, the water just drifts. We can't go with the flow. We can't remain still. If uh, if we remain still, we just go backwards. We must continue to grow. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. First Peter 2, 2 and 3 says, Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. This is a constant and ongoing process. If we're not growing, we're dying. The longer one drifts, the harder it is to correct, and the speed will increase. If you picture a boat going out to sea, If you're on that boat and you're drifting away from the shore, the further you go, you suddenly lose sight of land. As a Christian gets farther and farther from the truth, they care less and less about what they do, how they talk, and so on. Drifting is not only dangerous to the one drifting, but is also dangerous to others, and it can end in shipwreck. Just as a ship is to other vessels at the sea, if it's drifting with no captain or just drifting along, it can damage other vessels, bridges, so forth. Parents can also be drifting along and they lose golden opportunities to bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
The next series of slides, this was taken on the Tom Bigby River in 1979 uh, in Alabama. The boat that you see in the back, the tug, is the Cahaba. So the boat, these boats would push barges down the river and just a little information, the uh, Typically, they push six barges, you can see, over to the side. And that would be approximately 24 million pounds of cargo. The boat has 1,800 horsepower in the boat. The, uh, the water was way up at this time. And the boat, the tug was going to drop the barges next to the shore where the current was less and they were going to slip underneath the bridge, he was supposed to back full throttle up and go under the drawbridge part. The captain underestimated the current, and he hit the bridge not where he was supposed to. The current was so strong, it pushes the boat underneath the bridge. The captain and crew were still on the boat, it completely goes under the bridge and back out the other side. I thought the uh, the first picture there, you have people that's thinking, hey, that's pretty cool. Second picture, they're running. <laughs> the boat actually comes back out the other side. It uprights itself and the water pumps out and the c crew and captain were all good. And they actually caught the barges as they were floating down to rehook to them. The dangers of drifting. <clears throat> the next thing we need to look at are some signs of drifting. The first sign of a Christian that drifts would be a less desire to study and meditate on the Word of God. The Bible is a unique book. It's a source of information that cannot be found anywhere else. The Bible tells us of the dreadful consequences of sin, how we can be saved from it, or how we can live the happiest, most useful life on this earth. Another common sign of drifting could be less desire to attend services and to worship God. If we come in this morning and we're worried about how long I was going to speak, which I tell you, you don't have to worry about that. The uh, the singing is just doesn't excite me. The prayer was too long. The services are too long. If you're concerned about those things rather than worshiping God in spirit and in truth, you may be drifting. Greater excitement over worldly honors and worldly pleasures. If you'll turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 and 12.
It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. As parents, it's very easy to show great excitement over worldly accomplishments, worldly honors that our children receive. We just get all emotional and we go crazy if our kids make the A honor roll or hit a home run. And we should. There's nothing wrong with that. But then how much more excited should we be if our child memorizes his first memory verse, obeys the gospel? Spiritual matters should be number one to keep us from drifting. 2 Timothy 2, in 2 Timothy 3, chapter 3, verse 4, Paul made reference to some who were lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. If we're not careful, we find ourselves trying to find pleasure in being the most popular. This could be if we're looking for friends, if we're in school, we want to hang out with the most popular kids. Or it could be an idea that the world has come about to that goes against God's will. If we go along with that, then we may begin to drift. Lastly, the thing that we need to look at the most are some remedies against drifting. It requires steady rowing. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run the race with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It requires effort to live the Christian life. If we're not applying effort, then we're going backwards. We all know many people that love ease and have followed the course of the least resistance. We have to be careful that we don't fall into this path. We have to guard against the riptides of temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. We also see the same concept in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. Philippians 4, verse 7. 
And the peace of God, with which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We have to learn to go against the flow. <clears throat> there are many currents out in the world that want to sweep us away. If we're not careful, we'll drift too far, drifting along with the majority, and we'll drift far away from God. The last thing, we have to have a strong anchorage. Christ Jesus being the strongest anchorage that we can have. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 20. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold on the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. If Christ is not our anchor, then we will drift into the world. There's no... No other thought, no other option. Christ died on the cross that we can have remission of sins. Today, we have a choice to make. There may be those that have never rendered obedience to the gospel that need to begin to go up the river to begin fighting the current. There may be those that have began the journey with Christ and have slidden, have started going along with the current. If you're subject to the invitation in any way, please come as we stand and sing.